Hello and welcome to A's Plus, the San Francisco Chronicles podcast on the Oakland A's and Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Chronicle A's beat writer Susan Slusser, and today my fellow A's co-beat writer Matt Kawahara joins me to take a look at the A's wildcard series against the White Sox. And a quick note, you're going to hear a little bit of noise on Matt's side because he's out at the ballpark for the A's workout. So Matt, let's get right to it. The A's and the White Sox are opening their wildcard series on Tuesday at the Coliseum. We now know the opponent, and this morning we learned the A's plans for pitching in the first two games with Jesus Lazardo. A little bit of a surprise going into game one. Uh, what, what's your reaction to a 22-year-old rookie? He'll, he'll turn 23 on Wednesday, so he's aging rapidly, uh, going, going in game one. That makes all the difference if he's only a day away from. <laughs> yeah, I think. I mean, I think it was a little surprised too initially, um, but you know, you think about it, and it makes sense in the, in the sense that he. I mean, stuff-wise, he's probably got the best stuff on in the rotation. Uh, maybe Montas, but you know, he hasn't pitched all that well lately. And then, uh, in terms of attitude, and that's one thing I think that uh, Bob Melvin talked about um, when he, you know, announced it today was that. Despite the young age, uh, Luzardo has confidence. He has kind of a presence and a kind of a swagger on the mound and everything. And I think all that so all, all that stuff lends itself well to um, to a job like this, where you start, you're starting off a series, and obviously this is a team that hasn't seen you uh, hasn't seen you all year. And if he just comes out and kind of uh, you know starts blowing 97 mile an hour sinkers and and does that for even you know five innings and gives them five really good innings. You know, you have a decision there whether you turn it over to a bullpen that's been so good. But just, you know, for him to come out and just kind of set that tone early and, and try to maybe uh, you know, power through those early innings, I, I think I think that does make sense. I don't know if you, if you feel the same way. Yeah, I, mean, I love his makeup. I mean, he just, uh, the poise is, is remarkable. We I think we all look back at that wild card game last year, which I think went a long way toward this decision. You know, three shutout innings, one hit against the Rays um, when, when things were looking kind of grim for the A's, and he, like, absolutely no fear. You know what? I, I'm not sure I loved the idea of bringing him in for that little relief appearance the other day. He didn't look good. Uh, you'd like him to have a good outing like he'd had the time before when he was like suddenly just came up with basically a new slider grip um, right before the game, and it was great. <laughs> That's the kind of start you want to go into. I, I was kind of, you know, as you know, I'd been saying, I think Manaya Bassett then Lazardo. I still think that, that might be a good way to go. The opponent is interesting, right, because the White Sox beat up on left-handed starters, the 14-0. Now, giving a quick look through some of the left-handed starters they faced this year, I, I'm not going to say that they've faced anyone the quality of Jesus Lazardo or, or maybe Sean Manaya. It's been uh, a little bit lesser bunch. Some good some good names in there, but um, you know, I, I, I would say that they, they've definitely beat up on some also some bad left-handed starters, but they've got some beasts in that lineup when they, when you look at their right-handed hitters. Their top five home run hitters are all are all right-handed. Lozardo has given up nine home runs this year. Eight of them are to, to right-handers. But doing a little more digging, uh, Abreu, Encarnacion, uh, Jimenez, Makana, all of them actually hit right-handers 
better than they hit left-handers. So I don't know. It's a little. Sometimes you can dig a little too deep into these numbers. NEAs haven't seen any of these guys. They they haven't seen Lazardo. They haven't seen Minaya. They haven't seen Chris Bassett. And to me, this game two matchup is phenomenal. You've got the former White Sox, Chris Bassett, who has emerged as the staff ace kind of out of nowhere. We had him pegged as maybe even opening the season in relief if A.J. Puck had made the opening day roster and Lazardo had been had not been on the uh, coronavirus list initially. But uh, then it's it's against Dallas Keuchel, who's been the White Sox best pitcher. So uh, that, that one, to me, that's going to be fun. No matter what happens in game one, game two is going to be an absolute blast. The White Sox are, are an interesting team. What do, what do you make of them as we kind of, kind of look at them for the first time this season? Yeah, I mean, when you talk about the game two, I mean, Bassett's the rock, right? Like, Bassett is uh, the – I think that is kind of the, the pivotal um, – and they were kind of planning around that, right? Because, you know, Bassett's pitching on regular turn. They, he's just, like, easily lines up there for two. So, yeah, they had to make that decision on – on one, and it was probably Lazardo or Manaya. And I mean, what, what Melvin said today was using him for that uh, that little relief stint, which I agree was a little weird. But they did that because they were already eyeing him for game one. So yeah, they were playing, they were being kind of cagey leading up to it. But they, as far back as that, um, they were already targeting Lazardo for game one. I, I, but I don't know, you know, as you said, that the White Sox were kind of a a surprise matchup here, right? Because they, for a long time, they were looking like, you know, maybe the best team in the league. And then they faded a little bit down the stretch um, and played their way into, in that kind of tough central team, into this number seven seed, even though uh, I think they're only what, they finished with like one less win than the ace. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a tough matchup. They're, you, like you said, their lineup, I mean, they led the, the league in home runs. I think they were second. In OPS, um, and if you're looking at sort of the average versus the home runs versus left-handers, uh, I think you know the home runs is what you, you look at the, the potential for that. Just you know, a few, the, a couple of those guys even just popping off in one game and in a playoff game, that gets magnified so much. I mean, that can that can be the difference between maybe starting off one and zero or on one. So I, I I think it's a dangerous opponent. I mean, I, I don't I, as you I think wrote a couple of times, and as we talked about it. You know, the, the A's and the Astros, yeah, there would have been that sort of uh, narrative of the A's getting this chance again to, to knock um, their, their rival for the last two years maybe out of the playoffs. But um, there was the familiarity that they had, and they probably would have gone into that series with a lot of confidence having played the Astros ten times a season and gone seven and three and won, you know, all seven of the home home games against the they played here where they were the home team. So uh, this is a little bit of a... a I mean, wild card series, I guess you would say. Like just, just in terms of the, the White Sox, not you don't know about them other than they come into this uh, these three games with the reputation of just being a bunch of mashers. And uh, and I think the A's feel like they they can match up with just about anybody. They have they have the confidence, and even though the the wild, one game wild card game in the last few years has gone well for them, I think I really do think that they feel a lot more comfortable a lot more confident having this chance to play even a even a quick series and i think they feel confident going into it uh but yeah it should be it is an interesting match just because how much how much power that white Sox lineup has well there's no getting around the fact that the a's offense was flat the last week or two i mean some some guys just never got going all year um including some very important guys chris davis marcus Simeon never really got going 
Matt Olson hit his, you know, regular share of home runs, but besides that, didn't do a lot, you know, drove in runs, but, you know, he winds up hitting 195. Do you, do you want to see a team hitting a little better? We, as you mentioned, it's a fresh start. We heard that a lot from guys mm-hmm. the last couple of days of playoffs or kind of a whole new ball game. And, you, you know, it's the, the scoreboards, you know, you don't look at it. It's, it all starts afresh. Uh, when I talked to Billy Bean today, he was very much uh, sort of the same way. Like, hey, this is a new season. It's the postseason. But uh, I think the offense is a concern. Last year, the A's did not hit going into the wild card game, and they did not hit in the wild card game. It's There was a clear carryover. Uh, guys said that they were exhausted last year after the wild card game, you know, it had been a long season. If they're going to mm-hmm. be exhausted, they are going to be exhausted right now because they've just yeah. played 26 games in 24 days. Robbie Grossman the other day said they are uh, absolutely worn out, both mentally and physically. Uh, they lost one of their top two or three players, Matt Chapman, to a season-ending injury. This is, uh, you know, Jake Lamb's been terrific, obviously. Great pickup out of nowhere. Uh, Tommy Lestella, great addition. That's fantastic. But I, I, I would have to say there are still concerns about the offense. Oh yeah, definitely. I, I, I mean, I think they would prefer to to not have you know gone in three and five and and hitting whatever it was under two hundred probably the last the last week of the season or so as a team. Um, I think you know I think a guy like Listella is going to be pretty important uh, going into this playoff. Thing. Not not only because he has the experience of having um, you know been on a World Series team and uh, he um, just the way that he can kind of and this is something that a lot of the A's do, but a lot of the ace hitters had some really high strikeout totals um, this season, and Estelle is not a guy who strikes out, but he's also not a guy who doesn't strike out because he puts the ball always in play early in the count. I mean, he'll work a long count. He's not afraid to hit deeper into the count. The A's, as we know, really strive to make starting pitchers work and get into another team's bullpen. Um, and with a th- uh, best of three series, I mean, they you know, theoretically would have a chance unless they just go down really quickly against the starter to see, uh, to get into that bullpen a couple of times. Um, and I think for them, yeah, like they, a one game series, maybe you, you don't feel as comfortable. You don't feel as patient just because you know, everything is so immediate that maybe you just feel like you can't, uh, can't be as, as patient up there as a player, as comfortable as they usually feel in their, in their normal approach. And I, I think, from that, uh, from that aspect, you know, having this short series will help. But, I mean, to your point, I, I, I they would probably feel a lot better if they. I, I do think that last game helped, though. I'm not sure if you feel the same way, but at least being able to come out here and score some runs and and uh, you know put together you know ten hits, I think it was in, in the finale. That's a lot better than going in like they did last year on, uh, after a couple of losses where they only scored one run each. Yeah, and three hits in scoring with men in scoring position. The previous uh, couple games, I think they'd gone. Three for twenty-three or something, something like that. It, was, it wasn't good. Yeah, it was. It was. It was really, really, really bad. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that was. That's a plus. Um, we're seeing. Do you think, some... I mean, do you think Chris Davis is going to have a, a role here? I'd, I'd be curious because obviously they're facing a left-hander in Game Two, um, but he has, in the limited, the very, very limited at bats that he had over the last month, um, he he had some hits. I mean, and he he yeah. hit some line drives, hit some balls the other way. Yeah, I don't know. If... I, he looks better. He looks better. Yeah. There's no doubt. I think he's five for his last 15, um, and uh, you know, he was hitting like 275 over his previous, I don't know, 15 games or something. He he looks like he's coming around. Um, I don't know if we're gonna see the kind of power 
Uh, I don't think he'd be hitting necessarily cleanup. Um, no. But he could have a role. Uh, he's, you know, especially with a left-hand star. I, would, I mean, how great a story would that be? I think everybody on the A's team is rooting so hard for Chris Davis. He's uh, been with the team for a while, which is always a, unusual. One of the longer-tenured guys. And everyone just loves him, you know. His, and his struggles kind of make you... Uh, I think it has made everybody feel for him even more. So uh, it would be a terrific story. I do think he is, we we see him against a left-hander. We could see him pinch hit, I think, against uh, left-handers. So uh, that that would be interesting. And you know what? There were some really, we did see some good signs in recent days from some of the key. Yeah. Um, I think think, uh, Canna especially. uh, Canna, yeah. Yeah, that was pretty, I I forget what the exact numbers over the last, like, uh, the last four games at Seattle series, but. He was something like six for eleven, um, and I, you know, he's he's such a sort of quietly key guy in that lineup because he does hit cleanup or fifth depending on where they they have Olsen, and um, he's just you know he's it's almost so automatic that he's going to be on base one or two times a game, and he was doing that for a lot of this season by walks, getting hit by pitches, and he wasn't hitting the ball the way that he did last year, um, but I think. You know, even if if you get a couple of good games out of him or a good series out of him, I think that's that's pretty key too. Yeah, yeah, and Grossman's coming out. You know, and Cannon Grossman really, for me, had been the most consistent hitters on the team up until there was that you know unexpected. You know, it was a five day hiatus with the coronavirus positive test, but also remember there were a couple of games that were postponed the week before that with a protest. So the A's just were not on the field for a long time, and that really, I I think that carried over into most of this whole month, and those two guys look like they're starting to come back. Ramon Laureano showed a few glimpses. It would be huge for the A's to get him going, obviously. Maybe he just needs to keep choking up. (laughs) (laughs) Choke up more. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, and you know what? Quietly, Sean Murphy has been just getting on base a lot and doing his job. He seems like he's getting better and better, and he's magnificent behind the plate. Not much of a talker. We we get a little frustrated with Sean, I think, sometimes because he's not necessarily the most forthcoming when we talk to him about things like pitchers and stuff. But uh, he uh, is also somebody I would keep a, an eye on. He's got a little bit of postseason experience. You know, he got in a bat last year in the – Wild card game doesn't seem to get rattled by much, and uh, man, he is he is very very good. So uh, yeah, I mean, this lineup does guy. not look great right now, but they've got some they've got some interesting pieces. Some of whom are heating up. Yeah, yeah, I and mean, he's just another guy that can just kind of pop one at any point. Yeah, um, and he doesn't have to get. I mean, he's strong enough that he doesn't have to get it exactly right to to put a ball in the gap or to, to hit a home run. And you know. Again, under the kind of lens or microscope of a, of a short postseason series, that well, you know one or two swings can, can really make a big impact. We'll be back with more, with me and Matt Kawahara talking about the A's wild card series in just a moment. But to follow all of the Chronicles postseason coverage, go to sfchronicle.com and to subscribe, go to sfchronicle.com/pod. I'm going to throw two other names out there who are guys who have had very good postseasons at times. Um, Jake Lamb's only played in the postseason once, but he was absolutely fantastic three years ago with Arizona. We know he's like found new life right with the A's. He, he keeps talking yeah. about the boost he's got and he's provided some really big hits. 
um, but he, he did very well. Now, that was, you know, kind of his glory year with Arizona, so a little bit different circumstances, but he has that uh, in his background. Uh, and Stephen Piscotti had a phenomenal uh, postseason as a rookie with the Cardinals, and we always know that. He's a guy who has really done very little lately, but when he got hot in August, he carried the team for a while. You know, he can drive and runs when he gets going, so... Those are other uh, key guys to get going. Um, <laughs> just keep talking about. So everyone really <laughs> needs to get going, is what I'm saying. It would help if yeah, the lineup uh, top to bottom would just uh, break out. But yeah, the, I think the way that they do it though is, and the way that they've done it all year is, they can go, you know, six or seven innings, and nobody hits, and then there's somebody, you know, a couple of guys get on base in the late innings, and whoever it happens to be that day gets the big hit and they've won you know quite a, they've won a few games like that and you know they'll they'll always point out the fact that they have that ability to do it that way it's it's really it's dangerous and kind of probably stressful to, to have to rely on that but um but yeah i think they you know they feel like they do have good depth in the lineup so it's not necessarily just throwing out throwing names out there it's they, any of these guys can, can have a big impact it's just they they really need to not uh, just kind of all go into a funk at the same time like they have seemed to at the end of the year the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, yeah, Major League High, six walk-off wins, I think 10 wins in their last at bat. If, if they keep doing that in the postseason, maybe they will get a start time that's not noon. What, what do you think about this? Yeah. Like two noon start times for the A's, A's and White Sox in game one and two. Not great, right? I not mean, not, uh, like, they... Uh, it was interesting to ask a couple of guys about it today because um, Marcus Simeon, and maybe he was just being diplomatic, but he's like, I would rather play at noon than something like 4.30 or 5 where you have to worry about shadows and uh, and weird lighting. And as a hitter, maybe it's, it's looking a little different. He would rather play at noon. But then he asked Bob Melvin, and he points out that it doesn't just mean that the game starts at noon. It means that they have to get to the stadium to get uh, to go through the, the COVID testing at 6.30. They're on the field hitting taking batting practice at nine o'clock in the morning um, and your body's just not used to that. And I mean, they've, I think maybe, maybe the saving grace is that this season has been so weird from start to finish and it's been two months that they're not in enough of a routine where it'll shake them that much. You know yeah. what I mean? Like they, they're just kind of uh, more resilient or more like elastic at this point where, whereas if you played a full season and you, well, you know, a hundred and a hundred of them were night games and you're, your body's going to rebel against an early start like this. So maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. Yeah, and I think half the A's, I'm not even exaggerating, I think half the A's games this year were day games. Which so Yeah, and, and a lot of the weekend games at home, right? Yeah, it's you know, extraordinary. It like back-to-back day games. Yeah. So it's not completely unfamiliar. I mean, what it, it, it stinks to the fans. I do like our colleague Ann Killian. Asked Bob Melvin on our video call today, how do you like the new start? And he said, I don't like it. I'll just flat out, <laughs> which I love. And that's what the fans are feeling, right? Like people are working. People have, if they're not working, they might be at home with, with their kids trying to make sure their kids are online and cl- doing classwork because, you know, right. everybody's dealing with all that kind of stuff. It's it's uh, it's not great for the fans. It's just, it's, uh, I guess it's no. not surprising that, you know, you always know the Yankees, Dodgers, teams like that are going to get the big high profile, be on the network, be on in prime time. But you would think the A's could get one game a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like the, 
I, I, I under like game day two, game two for them is, is the day where there's going to be what, eight, eight, eight games. playoff games, right? Eight Which, games. okay, yeah, some of those are going to have to be early. But game one, at least, I, I think, I don't know, maybe they got caught in the middle a little bit because if they were to play a later game on Tuesday, then there's a really quick turnaround to having to play a, a, you know, an earlier game Wednesday, so maybe they just wanted to give them that little recovery time in between the two. I don't know what the, what the thought behind the scheduling was, but yeah, it does it does suck for fans because it's right in the middle of the day, and you know if you if you put in the the effort to follow this team in a really in a really weird year when nobody's actually allowed in the stadiums and everything like that, uh, yeah, it kind of sucks to, to to have that be the way that you have to follow the postseason. Yeah, I mean for us, it's not that bad because our deadlines are we'll, we will hit our deadlines unless unless there's some sort of massive problem, we will hit our deadlines. I, you know what? Honestly, we're gonna have to be concerned about air quality. Uh, we saw that after the A's went through horrible, horrible air quality issues in Seattle, the next day, Major League Baseball moved the Giants series from Seattle to San Francisco. But it's an issue. When I talked to Billy Bean this morning, he said, you know, it's, it is a mild concern. It's not, uh, you know, right now they're trying to figure out their roster. They're trying to figure out a lot of other things. But he was like, yeah, you know, it, it's something that's on our mind. I don't know what MLB does. They now seem to understand that it is an actual issue and something that needs to be addressed when the numbers start to climb. There is this little, you know, cushion at the end before the next uh, the next round starts on uh, a week from yesterday, I think, on the Monday. Right. So there are a couple of days. But, uh, you know, what do you do? Could I mean, would you conceivably move locations for the wild, these wild card games, if like the projections are terrible all week, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Maybe like they, I'm I'm out at the stadium right now uh, for their workout day, and um, honestly, it's it's not it's not that bad at the moment. I think uh, I mean we we were out here for some games where it was really bad, um, and those games here were I don't think quite to the point even where of the air quality that they played that doubleheader in in Seattle, which was a little ridiculous um but they they played in some some really bad air quality games here this season and i'm out here today and it's it's not it's not as bad as it was then obviously you you know you keep an eye on on what the progress is against the fires and and whether it worsens over the next 24 hours or so um but to your point about having to, to maybe consider it like i guess there's the possibility that you know san diego well San Diego and Los Angeles are both hosting their opening round series, right? <laughs> so, so it wouldn't be an it wouldn't be a like a get down to the bubble earlier scenario. Uh, and and yeah, it is. <laughs> I, I don't know what they would do there. I think I, I'm sure at this point it's just kind of a well, um, maybe they're thinking about possible contingencies, but it's probably more like a fingers crossed that it that I, it doesn't. That's get. probably my guess. I mean, I I, yeah. I would hope that they have plans A, B, C, and D for something like this because it is clear. Not only is this going to be a potential problem in the postseason in, Cal- in California, and, uh, including in so- Southern California next week right. and the one beyond, but in future years, it's just something that they are going to have to consider. I mean, <laughs> all these teams are going to have to play in domed stadiums because of uh, the threat of wildfire every year. I don't know. Yeah. Um, just in general, what are your thoughts on the, the bubble and uh, the playoff bubble and the, the way everything's being handled and, and no fans and, and all that? I mean, we've talked about this sort of ad nauseum, I think, throughout the year. But it, it stinks not sure. having fans, but I suspect it's going to stink even more once the playoffs start. You don't want it to feel like a practice game when you've got something like this going on. 
No, and that was another point that uh, that Marcus made today on the, the was on the call was that some of these games that they played this season, <laughs> I think he actually said some of the games have felt like regular season games, where um, or he likened them at least to, to a more regular season um, atmosphere where you come out and it's not all that energetic and you have to create some of that uh, adrenaline for yourself. Yeah, they know that it's the postseason. It's also you know, after in a regular year, after you play 60 games, you're in June, right? And uh, and it's just, I, I don't know at this point, aside from knowing that, knowing that it is the playoffs, like how do you how do you flip that switch? Like usually there is the um, there is the, the knowledge that one hit, one pitch, one big out can energize or send that jolt through a stadium that kind of takes off and or builds upon itself. And, and that's what you talk about. I think when you talk about home field advantage, it's just the, the, the atmospheric or the energetic shift that happened during the course of a game. And that's not going to be a factor this year, even though they won their division, even though they got this first round playoff series finally. Um, so yeah, I think from a team perspective, that's a bummer. I think from a fan perspective, that's definitely a bummer. Um, the bubble itself seems like it's, you know, for, to, to the extent that it is a bubble, it's not a bubble like the NBA or like the NHL played their playoffs in. Um, there's still there's still going to be some movement of teams between locations. Um, they're they're allowing players, I think, to to bring families into into the bubble for the playoff run if if they if the family members are quarantined for a certain amount of time before they enter. So it's not it's not. I mean, they're they're. It seems like they're doing what they can. MLB is to to make sure or to the best of their ability that this postseason gets played, which at this point, I mean, having gone through a regular season, which I think there were a lot of people at the beginning of it that were skeptical whether it would even happen. Um, oh, I was massively yeah. skeptical. I thought, yeah. I thought after the, you know, especially once the Marlins and Cardinals thing happened, I was like, oh, they're just going to shut it all down soon. But. Yeah. Um, but, you know, here they are. They've, they've gone through the regular season. There weren't, after those two major outbreaks, there weren't really, there were other teams that had positive tests, but there weren't really major outbreaks to that scale. Um, so maybe they did learn something. Maybe maybe there were lessons learned from those two where they were able to, to improve whatever the, the protocols or the safety measures were after that and, and doing this bubble thing for the, um, the extent of the playoffs. You know, players have said that it's going to be I – mean, they're on lockdown, basically. They're going to be in hotels, and they're not going to be able to leave the hotels, is my understanding. Yeah, they have and hall monitors. Yeah, and they're they, it's basically hotel to stadium, stadium to hotel, and that's for teams that are going to be in this bowl and go to the World Series. It's a month of that. Um, a very strict military academy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's like there's this kind of sense of that being the trade off for for a team doing what uh, or kind of getting to the point or achieving the goal that they that they set out for themselves. So I, I would I would assume that you kind of have to look at it like that, right? Because if you look at it from a of what's being sort of limited uh, standpoint, it can it can probably it can probably weigh on you a little bit, and I, I think that's similar to what a lot of people have felt over the last six months. Um, you know, just uh, just with the lockdown measures across the country. Mm. Well, I would ask you for a prediction, but you know, when it's a guess best two or three, that's kind of like eh. real tough, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we got we've gone through this entire uh, podcast, and we haven't even talked about probably one of the biggest. Oh, maybe not the biggest, but if. If the A's are at least going to make a deep run, their bullpen is going to be huge. Yeah. Right? I mean, the, the bullpen is going to be the reason, maybe, that they make a deep run. And as we said in here from the outset, uh, starting with Zorro, you know, maybe if, he, if 
if he struggles early on, or 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 even if he does get them into the into the, maybe the, the fifth or the sixth uh, with a lead or in a close game, how how early do they turn over to some of the the guys that have been really their most effective weapons this year, which is right some away. of those late in bullpen guys. Yeah, very early. And as I reported this morning, JB Wendelkin will be back and on the playoff roster. He's a guy I think that could be huge coming in early in, in a game if need be, uh, especially right now. His numbers against. Right-handed hitters are very good. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that bull, the bullpen could be the difference. Um, I, You know, I've, I've seen a lot of national people picking the White Sox. Uh, I would say the A's, and I would say three, just because that's the, the safest bet. I could, I could easily see them splitting those first two. Uh, but I, I do think that the bullpen could be the difference for the A's. Yeah, uh, at least, I mean, if definitely, I think – I think that's true for this first round series, and, and if they're going to make a, a deep run, I think the bullpen's going to be put to the backbone of it. Well, hopefully we were we will be talking about this again next week. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks as always for joining us on A's Plus, Matt. You can find Matt's work at sfchronicle.com, of course, and he's on Twitter at Matthew Kawahara. Our producer today was King Kaufman. We will be back again next week with more A's Plus. Thanks for listening.